You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Their chains were fastened tight Down at the jail that night Still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed They said it's time to lift our voice Sing praises to the Lord Let's prove that we will trust Him Come what may, God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. He loves to hear our praise on our cheerful days when pleasant times outweigh the bad by far. But when suffering comes along and we still sing him songs, that's when we bless the Father's heart. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. That's when God wants to hear you sing. Church, I forgot to announce that. Uh... For those going to junior church, all right. If you turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 2 is where we're going to begin today. And uh, Nehemiah was a man that was used by God. We began, we've been looking at him uh, over the weeks. We've been interrupted a couple of times, but I, I keep wanting to go back to Nehemiah because Nehemiah, like you and I, was a man that God put on this earth to make a difference in somebody else's life. Uh, Nehemiah was an ordinary man. We're going to talk about this. He had a pretty extraordinary job, but he still, he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. Uh, he wasn't a king. He was just a man that was actually working for a heathen king, a Persian king. 
But God called him. And by the way, I look forward to talking about this a little bit more later on. Uh, God, what God really needed someone to do was go and build the walls back around the ancient city of Jerusalem. They'd been broken down and destroyed. Uh, The temple had been rebuilt by Ezra. He needed somebody to go back and build those walls. So let me ask you this question. If you're looking for somebody to build some walls for you, what kind of person are you normally looking for? What are you Googling? What are, you, uh, what, what are the qualifications? What, you want to see somebody with maybe, maybe some kind of construction background, maybe an engineering degree or something like that if he's the man to lead the project, but God had a better idea. God said, no, there's this guy that's, that's probably never got his hands dirty in his life besides getting a little gravy on there when he's uh, tasting the biscuits for the king or something. This was a man, Nehemiah, with a cushy job. He was not an architect. He was not a construction man. But that's the man God called to be that. And I'm glad that God doesn't always call who we think. But Nehemiah was a man that God called to make a difference. He found out that there was a need. That need broke his heart. That need moved him to pray. And this man, Nehemiah, he ended up being a name that today we know. His name is in the Bible. His name is the name of a book of the Bible. But have you ever thought about this? Had this man, Nehemiah, not been willing to move and let God work in his life, we would never know who this man was. He would be lost way in the, in the pages of history, somewhere uh, just decayed in the desert. But we know this man. Now, this is a message for another day, but I just got to put out there on the thoughts of him being a difference maker. If you you want your name to really go on, we're we're instructed and told so many times today, the modern day philosophy is to live for self, look out for self, make yourself happy, do do for you, and, and make sure you're taken care of. But I'm telling you, folks, that's no way to really live. And how many of you know that's not really a fulfilling way to live? The way to really truly live fulfillment is not to keep your life. Jesus says, if you try to keep your life, what's going to happen? You're going to lose your life. But Jesus says, but if you're willing to lose your life, give your life away for the cause of Christ. Give your life away for the need of somebody else. He said, you'll keep your life. Nehemiah was a man that made a difference. And we've been looking at several things that that it takes to be a difference maker because, again, there's not a person in here today that God doesn't want to use you to be a difference maker. And I hope that you want to be a big difference maker. The thing about this man, Nehemiah, is there's some things God teaches us through his life. For one thing, God was going to use him to do great things. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. Folks, I'm telling you today, God is still looking for men and women, boys and girls, from the youngest in here to the oldest in here, Don. Uh, My friend Don's here. He's 97 years old. I, I pick on him every chance I get. If you get a chance to talk to him later, he's got some great stories about Noah. I tell you, he, uh, they were good friends back in the day. But, uh, but from the youngest to the oldest. And, and, and Don, I know Don still has a purpose. Don is still making a difference. Now, he don't always feel that way. But you know the reason I know that, Don? Because you're still alive and breathing. Amen? You're still here. And so from the youngest to the oldest, God has called you and wants you to be a difference maker. He's still looking for people who will stand in the gap. 
and that will make up the hedge. God said, I sought for a man among them. And I'm telling you, God, in this building today, He is seeking and He's searching the hearts of each heart in here. He's looking for somebody who would be willing to say, you know what, I'll make a difference. I'll do what I can. I may not be able to do much, but I'm willing to do it. Lord, here am I. I'm a volunteer. Send me. I'm willing to do a work. Jesus said that living faith can move mountains. And now the, 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 that's what we get. But I want to I get one principle and focus in on that with Nehemiah today. A biblical life principle that Nehemiah learned. And it's almost hidden in here just a little bit. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Matter of fact, I'm really just going to read verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, and, uh, and, and the month Nisan, that's right after Toyota, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time in his presence um, sad, and it'll, it'll go on to say that and as you read on through the chapter. But basically what I want you to see here is that don't sound like a lot in that verse, but we learn something interesting in that verse. When you read chapter 1, you find out when he heard the need and volunteered and had a broken heart. But from about the time he heard until the time we're reading in chapter number 2, four months have gone by. So, you know, somewhere around 120 days have gone by since we read in chapter 1 to where he was broken over the need and said, okay, God, something needs to happen. Somebody needs to do something for these people. And when God said, you're going to be that somebody, I want to emphasize again, it was about 120 days, which don't sound like a lot. But once God called him to do the work, once he started to build the walls, anybody know how long it took him? 52 days. He finished the work. In 50, so the work that God called him to do took less than the time he had to wait before he could start to do the work. And so what I want to preach about today is something you all already like a whole lot, and that is waiting. If you just had to make a, that's right, woo, yeah, man, that's wonderful. If you had to make a top five list of things you like to do, waiting would be in that top five, probably wouldn't it? Of course, and I'm being facetious, none of us like to wait. We don't like to wait. Uh, you know, and, and you, you think about the, 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 the trial and the, the, the difficulties of waiting. You know, waiting is truly one of the most difficult things that we have to do in the Christian life. Uh, you know, you think about, we don't have a lot of traffic around here, but there's time where there's construction. And man, I tell you, anytime I go to a big city, and I, I enjoy visiting big cities, I really do. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to stay there very long. Uh, but man, I, I appreciate when I accidentally leave the house. Anybody else? You leave the house in Elk Point at uh, 3 o'clock or something and you come up to the stop sign and then you kick yourself because you left and now you're having to sit there because of all the traffic. There's like five cars coming down Main Street and you have to sit there for like 30 seconds. It's terrible. Uh, but you know, we, we have to sit in, we have to wait in traffic. We have to wait in line. I'll tell you how bad, I, I struggle with waiting. I don't like waiting uh, at work, what I would do sometimes, if I would get to the time clock too late to stand in line, you know, to, to get ready to clock out, and, uh, and normally I wasn't one of those first people that got up there because I actually worked, or maybe I was somewhere talking, somebody at work with might be listening, so, um, but I wouldn't be one of the first people in line for the time clock, and it would be lined up, man, I'd go find something else to do. 
You say, well, it just it doesn't just take like a minute and a half for those people. It does, but that's too long for me. I'm not standing there in that line. I'm going to go find something else to do during that time. And, and I just hate waiting. Uh, but we wait in line. Uh, you know, uh, you, you wait in grocery stores. You, you, you're playing golf and you're waiting for people ahead of you. You wait for the doctor. Uh, you wait for a spouse. You wait for a plane. You wait for a baby. You wait for retirement. And everybody in here I know can identify with this one. You wait for the sermon to be over. Somebody say amen right there. You wait for the sermon to be over. Whatever it is, we wait. Now, you know, when we think about waiting, you know that Peter wrote that, uh, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. There was one time a man was read those words and got kind of excited. He said, wait a second. He, 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 then he got money on his mind. He said, okay, so a day, one day with the Lord is as a thousand. So, so he asked the Lord and said, now Lord, if a day for you is like a thousand, would that mean that a penny to you could be like a million? And then uh, God says, well, yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, a penny like me is, is, is like... And then, then the man wisely said, well, Lord, could you give me one of those pennies? And the Lord said, yeah, just wait right here. I'll be back in a minute. Be back in a minute. Uh, you see, God's time is different than our time. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the conveniences of the 21st century. I really am. Uh, and and they, they don't come without a cost. Uh, but I'm uh, thankful for the conveniences of the 21st century, the instant nature of our on-demand society. Isn't it amazing how quickly we adapt to that? Uh, I, there's a thousand things that we could say here, and I won't say all that, but there's instant knowledge today. Does anybody remember books? Does anybody remember encyclopedias? All right. Uh, and there's some of the, I mean, yeah, there, there was actually book, and you'd have to go, so when you, and can I say this, am I the only one in here that, uh, I, one thing I'll say about instant knowledge, being able to Google it, or for, in, in my case now to duck, duck, go it, doesn't have quite the same ring to it, but uh, but, but am I the only one that wins a lot more arguments now that we have instant knowledge? Am I the only one? Um, my wife will say amen right there. Um, but used to, you, you couldn't just say, oh, wait, what was that thing? And then, bam, look it up on your phone. You, you, you would have to go try to find it out in some book or some encyclopedia somewhere. It wasn't easy. You remember those days? But there's instant knowledge today. You can find out stuff, and if it's on the Internet, it's true, right? Because uh, if you can't find something to support your arguments, you can find a, another thing. But, uh, but, but there's instant knowledge. Uh, there's instant entertainment. Uh, some people can remember going to movies. And then some people can remember when we got real advanced when you could go rent movies. Uh, I mean, you could go get the VHSs and put them in the, the VCR and, 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 and watch those suckers. Remember, you had to please, be kind, please rewind. And you'd, you'd have to rewind it before you took it back to the store. And that would take a while sometimes, you know. But then they got quick rewind, and it was really fast. Uh, the young people's eyes are glossing over at the moment. I'll, I'll keep moving. But, you know, it goes from that to where finally we go to DVD. And you don't have to rewind those. That was pretty nice. And then all of a sudden, then, but you still had to go get the DVDs. Well, then pretty soon Netflix comes along and you could, they would mail you DVDs. And you could, they'd send them to you in the mail. You wait a few days and you get it. Anybody remember that? Then all of a sudden it's streaming. Do you remember when you had to wait when an episode of a show you were watching would end on a cliffhanger? And you're like, oh, goodness, we're going to have to, have to wait to find out who shot JR, you know, uh, or whatever. 
Well, now I remember when I found out you can actually sit and watch the entire season or the entire how many ever seasons that it is. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing how much things change um, over the years. Now, the, the Midwest, perhaps notwithstanding, if you ask the average American kid where meat comes from, where meat, milk, corn and stuff like that comes from, the average American kid is probably going to say the grocery store. Is that right? The grocery store. But, uh, I mean, so, so, there's, so, so there's a lot of great conveniences in the life that we live. But as great as these luxuries are, they've made it even a greater challenge to wait. To wait. I wish that you would just, this week, think about the things you get frustrated waiting on, how long they perhaps used to take. Uh, but because it's, it's just made it even harder to learn to think of waiting as an acceptable option. Think about this. For most of human history, man lived in a world that understood the law of sowing and reaping. For most of human history, people were very much in touch with the fact of, well, you just take right now, we got to plant, you got to cultivate the ground, then you got to plant. And, uh, and, and I don't think any of us, uh, uh, Ronnie, share with me, man, and I, and, and I know there's farmers that are actually wrapping up planting already, which is exciting for them. But would you be bothered if you were to go down there and ride down by some of these uh, farms that these guys have working and planting seed, and you go down there and you're not impressed because you know what you'd see if you go down there right now? Bunch of dirt. What have these guys been doing? You know? All I hear him talking about is, man, we're working 20 hours a day. And I'm like, well, sorry, buddy, but it don't look like it's working out too good. Now, I understand I'm being facetious. Because we, for the longest time, our culture, most every person in the world understood you'd plant. And then you'd, you'd do some extra work on the ground. Maybe you'd fertilize. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd do whatever you could through the ground. But, uh, but then ultimately what you're on is waiting. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then finally, after a time, something starts to shoot up out of the ground. And, it, and, and if the conditions are right, it'll grow. And I'm just saying that there was a time when everybody had that concept. Hardly anybody has that concept today. The younger generation has that even less than we do. But hardly any of us have that. Now, we understand that not any of us are looking at our farmers today thinking, man, what have you guys been doing? None of it, because we do understand that. But why don't we, we need to learn to apply that to every other phase of life because it applies to every other phase of life. Waiting. It, it applies to your personal growth. It, it, it applies to getting in shape. It, it applies to growing spiritually. It applies to the work you're putting in for your children. It applies to the things that matter in life. You've got to sow. Then you've got to wait. Now, while you're waiting, you're cultivating. You're, you're doing what you can, but you're waiting. And we have a hard time with that today, waiting. So while we wait on God and when we wait on God, we can go about our work just like Ronnie and uh, Chad and uh, Brad and whoever else may be farming in here this, today. They're not farming today, but uh, right at this moment. But th they understand something. They're waiting, and they're waiting with expectation. They're waiting with confidence, and they're waiting with hope, and they know and trust and believe and are hoping that God will provide a harvest in due time. But when it comes to waiting on God, I'm telling you, it's the same thing. 
Now, whether this speaks of uh, waiting for God to do something in, again, in your home, in your relationship, just in your life in general, God, I really need some help. Okay, Lord, I asked for it today, and it's not here yet. What's going on? God answered this prayer, and you hadn't answered it yet. God, I need you to do this, and you haven't done it yet. And, you know, we, we want on demand. You know, click play, and there goes God. You know, but God, God, is, God is not on demand in that sense. God is not instant. Uh, but I'm telling you this. Hey, He's always on time. He's always on time, just not on your time and on my time. So a couple things I want to say about waiting. Nehemiah had to learn to wait. And for us to be difference makers, we're going to have to learn to wait as well. Number one, I want to just mention a few things about wait. Number one, waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. We live, we often live by the adage of, don't just stand there, do something. Now, there's there's a lot of areas of life where that applies. Don't get me wrong. Don't just stand there, do something. But a lot of times, God wants us to learn to say, don't just do something, stand there. Wait. The Bible says in uh, Exodus 14, 13, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He says in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. So waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that He knows what He's doing. Now, I don't think there's a person sitting in this church today that would go as, to far as to, go as far as to say, well, I'm not real sure about that God knows doing what He's doing business. I don't think anybody would say that. But at the same token, I don't think there's too many of us in, sitting in here today that haven't felt that way or wondered that. Because if we're not careful, we don't give God the benefit of the doubt. We, we wonder... We, is God being cruel for making me wait? Why would He make me wait? You know what just came to my mind right there? I just saw a kid. I don't want to wait. That's all we are. You know, look, look at your toddler. Go back there to where those toddlers are at today. And uh, man, they're sweet and they're precious and you love them to death. But I'm telling you what, they don't always get it, do they? Uh, and we don't always get it. But so, so is God being cruel? He's making me wait. Or... Or, see, I know where a lot of you live at. I know where a lot of you live. I know why he's making me wait. Because I've messed up. I'm so bad, why wouldn't he make me wait? I don't even deserve for... So, so God's just making me wait, and, I, and, and he's done with me, and he's not going to bless me and all that. No, I, you want to know why God's waiting? This is a beautiful verse. Isaiah 30, verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait... Therefore the Lord will wait. Why? That He may be gracious unto you. And therefore will He be exalted, that He may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for Him. You say, I'm waiting for God and I'm getting really impatient. Listen, God says if you're waiting for Him, you're blessed. He loves you. He's being gracious to you. That's why He's causing you to wait. It's not because He's angry. And I'm not saying there's not instances of that, but I'm saying that just because you're waiting does not mean you're under judgment and does not mean that God's being unfair with you. 
Waiting is God's way of teaching us to trust Him before we move forward. We think we've got it all figured out, don't we? We think we know the right thing. We think we know the right job. We think we, you know, maybe you think you know the right person to marry. And then, you, and then later on, some of you can think of people that you really hoped you would end up marrying and didn't. And you're like, whoo, thank God for that. Glad that didn't happen. Jobs that you maybe tried to get, you know, opportunities to where you're like, oh, man. So if I was to leave my job and go work with this person, I could make that kind of money. And then three months later, the person's in court, you know, being tried for some kind of crimes that they're committing uh, as, a, as the company or something like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of things that God keeps us from. But it's God's way of teaching us to trust Him before we move forward. So number one, waiting on the Lord requires patient trust. Number two, waiting on, the, on God reminds us that He's in control. See, we can be like a watchman. Psalm 130, 130 verses 5 and 6 describe a watchman. He says, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in His word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Now, he's talking about a watchman. In other words, a person that would keep watch. Their job was to stay up at night and make sure the enemy wasn't coming against the city. What could they do? They could do their part. They could watch. Number one, they're watching to see you know, if, if anybody's going to attack the city. Number two, I'll tell you something else they're watching for, the morning. They're looking forward for the morning and the sunlight to come up and to say, Woo, finally, okay, my job's done. Uh, I can say I did what I needed to do. The sun came up. They watched throughout the night. Some of you know what that's like. But here's the thing. That watchman can do what he can do, and that's watch. And that's wait and be vigilant. But there's nothing that watchman can do to make the sun come up. He can't make things happen. All he can do is patiently trust, patiently do his part. You know, I think about, you know, I talk about Nehemiah becoming a great man. This, what I'm talking to you today about is a principle. Because I was thinking about people in the Bible. I was thinking about, uh, you know, I was thinking about Abraham. Abraham. Man, God got a promise from Abraham. God's going to bless you, Abraham. He had to wait, what was it, 30 years before God answered that prayer? I mean, think about that. That's a long time. Abraham got impatient, remember? And he decided, and Sarah came up with the idea and said, well, man, I don't think, maybe God got mixed up. God, I mean, God said, I'm going to give you a, a, that you are going to have a child with Sarah, but maybe God, see, you see what we do. We would never say that we don't think God knows what he's doing. And we would never say that we think God has gotten mixed up. But when God is telling us to do something and we say, oh, well, no, not me, Lord. I could never do that. I could never say that. I could never go there. I, then what, what are you doing exactly? You're questioning God. You're saying God's got the wrong person, but He doesn't have the wrong person. Because God, it's not about you. And by the way, with Moses, Moses had to wait. Moses, Moses, he, he went ahead of God. Moses wanted to be a missionary. Moses wanted to deliver his people. So as a young man at the age of 40 years old, he killed an Egyptian to rescue one of his brothers. He was going to be a deliverer. But he was about 40 years too early. 
And God said, well, Moses, I'm going to make you a deliverer of your people, but it's going to be 40 years from now. It's going to, it's going to be when you, th- when you think you're washed up. It's going to think when you think your life is over. That's when, you go- that's when I'm going to call you. See, and, and I may repeat this again, but with God, timing is more important than time. Timing is more important than God. We, we could talk about David, anointed to be the king. David, you're going to be a great man. I've got great things for you. Okay, great. I'm anointed to be the king. And, and, and so, so, so what next? What next? Uh, head back out there to the field and take care of the sheep. It looks like they need some water. Lead them out in the, out of the field over there. That's what he did. He had to wait. Even after he became, even after, uh, he became king of Judah, it was years, I think 13 years if I'm not mistaken, before he became uh, king over all of Israel. And so the point is, is that waiting, we have to wait on God. Waiting on God allows God to do His work. William Carey was a great, great missionary in India. But it's, I've heard that he had to wait seven years before one convert came to Christ, before one person came to Christ. Adoniram Judson was the same way. How do we do? You know, maybe God lays on our heart to, uh, you know, something as big as starting a church, something as small as as starting a group or a, a Bible study in the church. And, preacher, I've been doing this two weeks and still nobody's coming. Well, you better quit now. Hey, one of the things I always encourage people on, if they feel like God wants them to do something in here, if God wants you to do it, do it. It's it's not always about the results. I mean, one of the things about waiting is leaving the results up to God. I mean, listen, whenever, whenever God had us start this church here, for number one, we had to wait. We had to wait. I, I, was, I was trying to do a Bible study and get something going in Vermilion, and uh, it was just not going anywhere. Uh, it, just, it just wasn't where God wanted us. And we had to wait. Honestly, one of the hardest periods of my life I've ever gone into. And in, in all seriousness, I have never, I never thought of my, I don't even know if I ever even dealt with depression on a major level. Maybe as a kid I can remember sometimes in my early teens. But man, I'm talking about I got into a pretty... Uh, low down depressive state leading into the months before we had our first service for Elk Point Baptist Church why because I was waiting I was waiting and I felt like I was wasting time because that's what waiting feels like to us it feels like wasting time let me ask you this what in the world was Jesus doing for 30 years he said oh oh well I saw this one thing forget about that you know what he did? He was being a carpenter. He was working. He was running a business. I mean, from everything that we could say, he was the carpenter's son. So it's a, uh, but, but then all of a sudden, he began his public ministry at the age of 30. At the age of 30. Well, man, it seems like God would have said, okay, Jesus, get out there. And I understand at 12, he, he, he had a brief uh, public ministry there with the priest. But that, he did not continue that public ministry. But God says, okay, 30 years, it's time. How long do you need to accomplish the work, Jesus? Just three and a half years will do. I'll be able to do everything I can because here's the thing. God is the one in control. And God will will make sure whatever time it is that you have is going to be the right amount of time. And it's going to be the right time. You just have to trust the Lord. And so uh, it reminds us that we're not in charge waiting on God. 
Waiting on God reminds us that we're not in charge. Waiting on the Lord, number two, reminds us that we are not God. That we are not God. We can't make things happen. We've got to let the Lord do His work. Uh, You know, see, as a pastor, listen, man, I want to see souls saved. I want to see just continued church growth. I want to just see, uh, I mean, it hurts my heart when I drive around Elk Point. When I drive around Sergeant Bluff, Sioux City, uh, Akron, wherever it is that we are, it breaks my... Because you know, what I, you know what I see? I see a lot of people who don't know God. And, and I can do my part. I can share the gospel with them. I can pray. But ultimately, God's the one that has to do the work. Ronnie, I can sow. And we can sow. And we need to be sowing. We've got gospel tracts. We've got church invites back there that have the plan of salvation. We can sow and we should be sowing. But then we wait. Uh, By the grace of God, I'm telling you, from the time that we started, and God bless from the time that we started Elk Point Baptist Church, um, you know, for that very first service on. But by the grace of God, the thing I always try to remind myself is even during the slow times, even in the times where it doesn't look like a lot's going on, God's always working. He's working behind the scenes. You come in here on a Wednesday night in the middle of summer, and you're like, good night, where's everybody at? Well, thank God you're here, amen, and I'm here and I'm going to preach to you. Um, but you know what? I don't look at that and say, well, man, I guess this is, must be about it. No. That, that would be the equivalent to Ronnie riding past those fields, getting on the horn with Nathan, and say, what you been doing for the last two weeks, Nathan? All I see is dirt out there, man. Ronnie's not going to do that. And if he does, they probably ought to have him committed, Amen. That's the, there's, there's something working there. There's something going on down there. It don't look like it today, but there's something going on. There's seed, and, and it's going through a process. And I'm telling you, God's working behind the scenes. And that's why by the grace of God, since I am not God, I don't have to be too frustrated. I don't have to get too discouraged. You know why? Because it's God's work. I've just got to say, okay, am I doing my part? Am I cultivating? Am I watering? Am I, am I sowing? Okay. The rest is up to God. One of the first, uh, in the, the first church I started, I had, I'd always, there, there was a Bible. There was a table up there, offering table with the communion table with the Bible open on uh, that table. Big Bible opened up. And one of the first things I did when I got into that building, and I left it like this for years, is I opened up over there to Matthew where Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And I said, okie dokie, Lord. You build your church. I'll be faithful to do what you said to do. You build your church. And we understand that we've got uh, things that we do, but ultimately it's God's work. Okay, so quickly. Waiting on the Lord allows God God time to do His work. God's timing is best. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you. Get these two words, in due time. In due time. Wait on the Lord, Psalm 27, verse 14. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I'm going to try to bring this thing down to a close just here in a minute. And, uh, but I want to give you a, another illustration, another thought or two. Talking about unseen growth. There, there's, a, there's a story about a, Ch- a Chinese bamboo tree. Some of you are familiar with it. A Chinese bamboo tree. The story goes that this seed is planted. And just just a little bulb, and for about five years, 
The best you're ever going to see is a little shoot out from the ground. For five years, that's all you're going to see. But you've got to cultivate that. You've got to, you've got to take care of it. You've got to do what you can with it. But ultimately, that thing's not shooting up at all for five years. For nearly five years. On the fifth year, that thing within 90 days, let me get, let me get my numbers right here. I believe that it's within in 90 days, that thing will grow about 90 feet tall. In 90 days. Well, it's about time that thing started growing. Oh, no, you're missing the point. It's been growing all this time. Because for the first four years or so, it's building, it's growing underground. It's building a strong root structure. It's, it's going this way and that way. It's, it's, it's pre- there's work going on. That's all you see. But underneath, there's a lot going on. Waiting on God, folks, is never wasting time. Some of you are waiting for God to finally answer your prayer for your kids. It's a waste of time, preacher. I don't see nothing. But I'm telling you, uh, I, I won't say a lot. I won't give any names, but I'm telling you, I got a great, great testimony about a week ago. Somebody in here, and, and listen, man, I tell you what, there's folks in here that's got some hurting hearts over kids, amen? Grown kids and all that. But I'm telling you right now, there, there's one of those that told me that they got a little card And you know what that is? It's just a little green shoot. And it don't look like a whole lot, but I'm telling you, this person saw it as something great because that's exactly... But you know why? Because there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. Preacher, there's nothing happening. You come to church, is there anything happening? Is there anything happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You better believe it. But preacher, this is all I see. Well, there's more to it than that. God's working underneath. Uh, See, the answer lies in the unseen part, the underground, what's underneath. Waiting on God, lastly, increases my strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The time will come when those who wait on the Lord will soar. So, Waiting on God increases my strength. It's been said that when God wants to grow mushrooms, He can do it overnight. But when He wants to grow a mighty oak, it takes a few years. Now, the question is, what do you want to be? I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to take off. Okay. You might be a mushroom. But God wants you to be an oak. You just got to be willing to patiently, safely wait on Him. Trust in Him. This principle of waiting applies to so many areas in life. You know, there's, the, the, there's principles of compound interest in life. Not only in the financial world, but in every aspect of life. It takes time. It's a little bit at a time. As we all stand here today, you know, I want to tell you today that God is the great mover. The, God is the great mover. We're to do our part and let God do His part. If we wait in patient trust, remembering that God is in control, doing His work, increasing our strength, we will experience a move of God on our lives. And I'm telling you, that which God has done in this church, that which God is yet to do in this church, I'm telling you folks, it's coming, it's working, it's moving. 
You know, Jesus had to wait on the Lord's return. Jesus is coming again. Anybody ready? I hope you're ready. Jesus is coming again. But we got to wait patiently. Amen? But that doesn't mean we sit around not doing anything. It means we do our part while God does His. I don't know what your need is today, but if you're tired of waiting, I tell you today, be a day to understand like that song says, He's faithful. Take courage, child of God. Preacher, I'm not seeing a whole lot happen. Doesn't matter. There's a wife praying for her husband. Preacher, I don't see anything. I don't see nothing. Doesn't mean God's not working. Preacher, I'm trying. I'm doing what I can. Hey, keep doing what you can. But you need to understand something right now. You're not God. You know, there's that one dude, and he, 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 made a, he's, he has a good question, doesn't he? You know, I mean, you, you think about people that you, you want to see God work in these people's lives and your family. What are you doing? Well, I'm twisting their arm, hitting them in the head, threatening them. And when that don't work, I'm guilt tripping them and everything in between. Then you come back to the good old question, how's that working for you? Hey, just let God work. Now, I'm not saying be indifferent. We're not talking about indifference. We're not talking about not caring. But we're talking about waiting on God and saying, Lord, <laughs> think about how proud we, proud we are. Lord, I'm willing to take my hands off of this. How big of a statement of faith is that for some of us? Lord, I'm willing to give this to you. I think. Right? Isn't it amazing? Lord, I know you made everything. I know by you all things consist, but uh, I don't know if you know this as well as I do. I'm not sure if you can do this as well as me. We don't say that, but that's what we're saying. Hey, today, waiting on God says, okay, Lord, here, here, you work. You do the work, Lord. I'm going to be faithful, but in the meantime, I'm going to rest. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have comfort in you. I don't know what your need is today, but let's pray together. If they ever had bad every eye closed, if you're here today and you're not saved by God's grace, perhaps He's the one that's been waiting on you. He's been waiting to save your soul. He's been waiting to give you this opportunity to hear the gospel, that He died for your sins, that He rose again on the third day. Do you know Jesus today? If you don't, He sure does want to know you. He wants to save you. That's the work He's wanting to do for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for letting us be here today. God, I pray that you'll help us to, to learn to properly and biblically wait on you. Goodness, no, I'm not encouraging indifference. I'm not encouraging fatalism, throwing up the hands. That's not what biblical waiting is. It's expectancy. It's being a watchman. But ultimately understanding that we cannot make the sun come up. We've got to trust you to do that, Lord. So just help us, dear God, today, and I'll thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. Looks beautiful outside. <laughs>